This presentation is from UX Australia 2015, held in Sydney. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. Uh, this is Chiara and Leanne, and they're from the ATO, and they're going to tell us about um, a transformation project that's happening there. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, everyone, for coming. It's so great to see everyone in the room when we're talking about tax. My name is Kira, and... And I'm Leanne. And we're from the ATO, as we said. Before we start today, tell me who saw the Australian Taxation Office on the program and thought, of all the sessions I see at UX this year, that's got to be one of them. Show of hands. Well, all I can say is what's wrong with the rest of you? Tax is a really cool subject, isn't it? No? Well, (laughs) and we get that. And that was one of the challenges we had in um, preparing for today. We thought, how do we explain the size and complexity of what we deal with without boring you all to tears? So, here we go. Put yourself in our shoes. Imagine that you're bought in to design an e-commerce system that every year collects $420 billion and directly pays out over $100 billion. The rest is used to support a business with a turnover of more than a trillion dollars. Pretty big, hey. Um, Every year your system processes 16.5 million transactions, 82% of those in the first 16 weeks of your operating year. You have over 12 million users, but they're not just users. They can have a business attached. They can be a company in their own right. They can have complex relationships with other companies and trusts. They can have a third party that acts on their behalf. You need to design a system so you actually understand these relationships and know how to deal with these clients. Then you're delivered tens of thousands of pages of legislation and other documents showing how that that legislation is supposed to work. And that forms the basis of your business rules. And that's just part of what we deal with. You throw in everything else like super and those sorts of things that um, we also have a role in. Just think of how many employers pay super and how many people have super funds. And you start to see how big this thing is. Oh, and just another twist that we deal with. No one chooses to use your services. They're all forced to. (laughs) How do you make something like that? Something like filling in your tax return. Enjoyable, desirable, delightful. All of those terms that we use in design um, as our guiding principles. So I think you get the point. That's what our environment's like. So on to the design challenge we want to talk to you about today. It's about designing at scale with a long-term vision in a large and complex organisation. So picture this. We get a new boss who sets about developing a new vision and mission for the organisation and challenges us all to become more contemporary in the way that we deliver our services. He asks us, what does 2020 look like? Well, our response is, you know, probably pretty consistent with other large organisations. Each individual area just went off and looked at what that meant for them. They started to dream up ways to transform their little part of the office. Some looked at our culture... Others looked at digitising our services. Others looked at tools that might help staff. Many of the ideas were internally focused and not really what the community expected or wanted, for that matter. And the ideas didn't join up and they certainly didn't create an integrated client experience. 
The list of new projects was getting longer and longer, and our IT guys, which there's a few in the room, they were getting really worried. Our planned future was becoming um, a, a list of things that we thought the community needed. They were the ATO's dreams for your business or your job or your future without really understanding how you ran your business or interacted with the tax system. So, this, I mean, this organisational mindset needed to change if we were going to get anywhere. Enter the design people. And we, <laughs> we've had a um, fairly strong, tried and tested design capability in the tax office for a number of years. But our, um, our job had sort of become about developing designs at the project or at the initiative level, particularly those that had an IT change. And it hadn't really occurred to anyone that our skills could be used to develop an overall strategic change. And, and that was something we clearly needed if we were going to reinvent ourselves. That's where we saw the void and um, an opportunity as well. It was clear to us in design that the organisation needed help to translate that commissioner vision into what that meant for our clients, that, that bit in the middle. So we made a pitch to our senior leaders, let us help you understand what 2020 looks like, we said. And they said, okay. And that's when panic started to set in. How do you design a future of such a large system, such a large organisation? What does contemporary culture look like? What does the community expect from a contemporary government organisation? They're some of the questions we were asking ourselves and there were no easy answers. In the end, our approach was to go back to our UX toolbox. We used the same tools and techniques that you guys use every day. We just ramped them up quite a lot. One of our biggest challenges was to get the organisation to think outside their area of responsibility. The whole organisation was um, geared around thinking and delivering in silos. We needed to break down those silos to actually get people to start to look from the outside in, put themselves in the shoes of the user and start to design from their perspective. But if you think back to the complexity that I just went through, where on earth do you start with something like that? We needed to find a way of breaking down the system so people could actually get their heads around it. The logical place to start for me was with the individual tax experience. Because we're all individual taxpayers ourselves, we could sort of relate to that experience and think about the things in the system that were driving us crazy. So we took the participants on a journey throughout their life events, from birth or arrival into the country to death or departure and all of the stages in between. We made everyone express their ideas in I statements. Again, so they could start to understand the benefits to the users. We then looked at the research and the insights that we already had, and with all of this started to map out the future experience. Once we'd done that, we then tackled small business, large business, tax agents, super fund, and many of the other segments that we deal with. We used teams of people that represented every area of the system. We had representatives from business, again, to help us understand what was driving them crazy in the system, but similarly, anything that was working for them as well. 
We challenge these groups time and time again to step into the shoes of the user and understand the experience as a whole. Adopting this design approach sort of allowed us to reframe the problem and um, ultimately change the way that we looked at the services that we delivered to the community. One of our biggest discoveries, you can't actually um, design a client experience unless you also design the staff experience and the culture that is needed to deliver that. So... Once we'd actually had this first cut of what we thought the experience future looked like, we went out and we tested those concepts with, um, with the community, with people like you, lots and lots and lots of them. There were individuals, business, big and small, tax agent staff, professional bodies, other government agencies, community groups, you name it, we were there. We then came back and we changed the design based on their feedback. The result of all of this is our blueprint for the future. It not only outlines our clients' experience, but our staff's experience and the culture that will underpin it all. We call it reinventing the ATO. Now, I'm sure this is all sounding pretty great, a bit inspiring, maybe a bit uplifting. And I can see some heads in the room nodding along going, yeah, that sounds like the right way to go about that. But I think that's because everyone in this room here is a designer. We all live and breathe these approaches to life um, and their basic instincts to a lot of us. One of our other challenges was to develop these instincts at the highest level of the organisation, um, allowing them to change their mindset and uncover those concepts to support that picture for the future, addressing those three components of client, staff and culture. So one of the ways that we did that was we put together the right team of people to guide the executive on the journey, supported with some key roles our design force, I'm going to call them. So they were made up of our integrators, which were our service designers. Um, they're looking after the users as well as the system in use and making sure that it's meeting together. And we had a lead service designer responsible for each component of client, staff and culture. We've got our navigators, which were our design facilitators, um, and they were guiding everyone through those design thinking processes, um, especially in the workshops and the facilitated activities that we were doing through this process. Um, and they were ensuring that groups were having the right conversations and also pushing ideas in the right direction. We've got our investigators, which is our co-design area. We've actually got a quite strong co-design area here in our Brisbane office. Um, and they were going out and doing that research, understanding the user needs and expectations, doing that early testing that Leanne spoke about, but also helping us translate those findings from that testing back into our evolving design. And then lastly, we have our communicators, so that, in that role, we're capturing, synthesising and reflecting all the information we're collecting through these processes back to the executive and really ref, um, painting that picture of what this future experience is starting to look like. But it's not enough just to have a design team. We still need to make sure that everyone was coming on this design journey with us and demonstrate the value of design as a process as well as a means to, the end, as means to an end for the executive. Because um, remember, at the start, we talked about how they were very project-focused and detailed-focused and all about the deliverables and what they were going to be doing. So again, how did we overcome that? Well, again, we used methods and techniques that we all have in our designer toolkits. We just scaled them to our situation. We didn't do anything fancy or out of this world. We actually kept it simple, trusted ourselves, but most importantly, we shared these techniques with the executive. In fact, 
We shared everything with them. Which brings us to, um, this is one of our principles that embedded into the way that we operate in, at the ATO, and that is making the design visible early. It's never too soon to share your ideas, and for us, this was the biggest lesson learnt through this process. Rough and ready concepts are just as good, if not better, than beautiful illustrations and fancy laid-out documents because they allow you to get the information out quickly and make sure that everyone's coming on the journey with you. For us, especially from a communicator's point of view, there was also a level of approachableness in how we reflected some of this early design thinking. So while we were progressing through some pretty innovative, future-driven stuff, we had to make sure that we weren't racing too far ahead in the process or we'd risk disengaging the people we were actually working with. So this forced us to make sure that we were designing with people as opposed to designing to them. And the them I'm referring to is both the executive in the organisation as well as the users in the community. As designers, we couldn't just go and collect all that information, run off, do our design magic and come back and present it. Ta-da, look at our design. It wasn't going to work like that. Um, in order for our design to be successful, it needed to be owned by everyone involved in the process. The development and the progression of this design can actually be seen in the record of documents created over time. So I'll take you through that now. Now, first off, as Leanne mentioned, our first step was looking at that life cycle of a user and mapping out those interactions as I statements, and this is the result of that work. As you can see, it's very intense. There is a lot of detail on here. Um, not normally what we would actually be comfortable in doing as designers, but for the executive, when those detailed people could see all of that in front of them, they started to feel a lot more comfortable, which meant that we could actually then take them to the next part and roll up those experiences and highlight the key features and themes that were coming out of each of those experiences. This level of information, I'm sure you can appreciate, is a lot easier on the eye. It's a lot more digestible, especially for the stakeholders who weren't necessarily involved in that first initial step of the design process. Um, this meant that this content was easily shared, consumed, tested and pulled apart. But this was actually a really good thing. This allowed us to go out and do that testing as Leanne spoke about and get feedback from all those different groups. And the intel that we gathered through those testing processes helped us have a much richer understanding of the future experiences our users wanted which then led us to go to the next step of bringing the experiences to life through unique user stories. So these stories, based on the previous level of content and the findings that we gathered along the way, were all written by different groups within the ATO. Um, and just reflecting on Dave's keynote yesterday about um, going through your change cycle and using stories to tell it and going back to your, the feelings, I think that's really reflected in this particular part of our process. Um, and this process helped allow those experiences to become real for those design novices, those executive, and allowed them to really truly stand in the shoes of the user and also allowed us a mechanism to demonstrate the integrated approach we were now taking with our future end-to-end, all-encompassing design. Because it wasn't just... That's the final thing. It wasn't just products and services anymore that we were providing... Um, as you can see here, I've got a bit of a narrative spectrum here. So we have Alice. Alice is representing our small business experience. And in her story, she talks about what it's like to register and set up her business. In this particular story world, Alice is married to Dan. And Dan is representative of our individual tax experience. 
And in his story, he talks about their change in circumstance when their daughter Claire is born. And then down the track, they go and talk to a tax agent, who is our tax agent, George. And you can start to see how we're starting to weave all these things together. These narratives were also used as, um, as a basis for the animations you can see on our website for this, which, considering they were developed in editing sessions with ATO staff, who didn't necessarily have design or even marketing or communication experience, is a really, really exciting thing to see. So what this all means is that by following these processes and techniques, what we've ended up with is a multi-layered, collaborative, evolutionary design that reflects the complexity of the experience, but also addresses the integration across the experiences as well. This has all been achieved in one document that for us is approachable, easy to consume, and provides us with the foundation we need of going and realising our future way of working at the ATO. And it's available for all of you guys to go and see as well at reinventing.ato.gov.au. So as you can see, it's been quite a journey to get to that point. Um, and it's been over 12 months worth of work um, for our design area. Um, and the journey is far from over too, I'd like to point out. But by talking to our stakeholders, our partners, our clients and our staff, we've built an understanding of what you, our users, want your experience to be like. And now we've captured that in the blueprint. So what did we learn from this adventure? Well, firstly, share your ideas early and often, the thinking and the evolution of it, um, with your clients and your users alike. Designing at scale can be scary and challenging, but trust your design instincts and look after yourselves, because more often than not, it's a marathon and not a sprint. And while we still have a lot of things to answer and find out, design can guide your strategies, and this was an important process for us to follow. Do not undervalue the time it takes to make something like this happen. It will make things so much easier in the long run. So by tackling this big unknown void full on, we've now got this blueprint that is our guide for everything that we make and do from now on to improve the client and staff experience. But this blueprint will continue to evolve as well. This is not going to be a static thing. Uh, we will regularly check in with you guys and the community and all our different stakeholders to make sure that we're keeping up with expectations and we will continue to update the design as we go along as well. In the words of our commissioner, this is not a short-term program. It's not a fad. It's not about the quick wins and what we can deliver right here, right now. It's about embedding deep and long-lasting change in the ATO. So our journey is still going. This was just the first of many steps. We're actually tackling that next phase now, which is taking these concepts in the blueprint and then turning them into the things that we actually want to make and do from now on. So watch this space. So just to finish up today, we're just going to show you a um, very quick uh, animation. As Kira said, this is on our website, and it's based on one of the stories that we put together as part of this design process. And again, just outlines one possible future. Thanks for coming. We recently had a baby girl. It's been the most exhausting, all-consuming, wonderful time of our life, especially because my wife Alice has just started her own business too, while I stayed at home with our new daughter, Claire. When Claire was born, we set up a MyGov profile for her and linked it to mine and Alice's. That way we can see our whole family's tax details and other government stuff all together. When any of us need to do something, we get an SMS and we go into our profile and it tells us what we need to do. Submit a form online, get a reminder for a health check for Claire, you know, whatever. It's all there. 
Plus, the pre-filling service for our tax stuff is great because it saves us heaps of time. We get information about deductions we can claim and how to streamline our tax returns. Most receipts are electronic these days, so it's easy to upload the information to my profile and my tax return really easily. All our business and tax information is electronic and easily stored and backed up. It's brilliant. My stuff, Claire's stuff, all the business information is all there. When I went back to work, I received a notification that our family payments would be automatically adjusted so we could re-evaluate our finances. I work in a bank, so I know how complicated dealing with money can be. But the tax office seemed to have put a real focus on simplifying everything and providing better service and sharing information across the other areas of government. Come tax time, everything was practically all done and dusted. There just wasn't that much to do. We just quickly review it, make sure everything's right, and hit submit, and it's done. And it's working. Any similarity to any personal organisation is coincidental. The goals and objectives of the ATO are influenced by external factors. Baby Claire was given special permission by the relevant authorities to drive an automobile for the purposes of this video. Although she generally enjoyed the experience, she did complain that the clutch was a bit heavy and proceeded to drool on the gear stick. We hope you liked this presentation from UX Australia 2015. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.